Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yacking Show. We bring you a wider range of actionable business ideas and tips, and you'll find practically anywhere else in one place on the internet. So my first job today is to introduce Kathleen from down the road in Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. You take it away. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And today we have... Uh, another special guest with us, and we're very excited to have Jeanne Omler. Hello, Jeanne. How are you? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on your show. Jeanne is a certified business strategist and online business coach for coaches and consultants, and today we'll be chatting about how uh, we can help you maximize profit. So before we get started, Jan, can you please give us a little bit about your background and what led you into coaching, into the coaching world and specifically coaching for other consultants? Okay, so um, I initially got it, got started um, as a life and business coach, life business coach and strategist. And how I got into it was I was newly um, uncoupled (laughs) and I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old and I was living in New York city and I had to do something because I wasn't going to be able to go get, I didn't want to go get a job and have to find a nanny for my one-year-old and four-year-old. So I I thought long and hard and I thought, what can I do from home? And I thought, well, I've always been pretty good at coaching people in any capacity. So I went for it and I started off as I am now working from home. Uh, And then I, then I, you know, when I was first in New York, I was doing all of my business, some of it online, but most of it was networking and referrals to get my business, which was a hustle when you have young children in New York City. So I Uh did that for eight years. But then three and a half years ago, eight years offline, you know, mostly networking. And then three and a half years ago, I thought I really need to get online. You know, I really just need to do this. So I did. I got online and I figured out what's called organic marketing, which is basically marketing through social media with no ads. And I got really good at it. So then people started seeing that and I started getting clients for that. And that is when I used to coach all sorts of people. I coached um, all sorts of brick and mortars and CEOs and because I'm also a certified executive leadership coach with servant leadership. But when I got online, I thought, okay, I've really got to figure out who needs help and who needs help online really are coaches and consultants. So it's a huge niche. And I started helping people and and the rest is history. Oh, excellent. Wow, that is very, very good. And um, before we started the show, we heard a bit more about your background. You have a lot of international experience. So put all that in in the basket and what sets you apart from, you've just said, many other business coaches and consultants? Um, what sets me apart, I think, is I have a very high level of actually caring about results. And Mm -hmm. I I think you are emotionally attached to what you're doing, which I am emotionally attached. And that's a good thing. If you're emotionally attached to what you're doing, and they always say, don't be emotionally attached, but it's a good thing. Because I went through so much adversity and a lot of poverty. I mean, I didn't have money for years. And when I got online and I started making more money, it became part of my mission to help other people to make more money. So I'm I'm very emotionally attached to my clients putting food on the table, being successes, and getting over that hump that most coaches don't make a lot of money. And they just can't get it. They can't get there. So I'm I'm so driven to help my clients get results. 
And I think, I think that level of drive for your clients, I think it's not an everyday thing because I haven't seen that with anybody I've ever coached with. I've never experienced this level of my coach really just wanting me. Some have been great, you know, but it hasn't been that level of intense involvement and, and intention that I, I feel I possess. And my clients have told me that. And I, I see the difference. I see the difference between coaches who are doing a good job. They're good people, but they're not really hyper driven and taking it personally that their clients succeed. And I think that extra mile, I think that is a little different without bragging. Um, the other thing is I do get results. We do get results. We get our man. You know? And a lot of what, what we're doing, we guarantee results. So that obviously sets me apart because I don't know any other coaches that are going to guarantee results like I do. So we guarantee results. We care about results. And we also coach on not just strategy, but also on mindset and even things like self-love. So I think uh-huh. all of does and also the fact that I have the leadership background and all that then and the, you know the the brick and mortar strategy background I think it does set sure. me apart from a lot of the online coaches so what is the biggest challenge that you're noticing among coaches and consultants they can't get clients and then people can't get clients or they don't know how to get clients or they're afraid of selling or they just don't know how to work it out and they go from course to course and they're sort of trying to figure her stuff out and cobble things together. And, and they're not really understanding like the fundamentals and there's certain fundamentals mm-hmm. that have to be in place that aren't hard. And one of them is you have to embrace the fact that you're going to have to sell. And if you mm-hmm. want to have a successful business, you're going to have to accept that business is selling. And if you aren't going to get past that, you need to sell as a coach, then you will never have a successful business. It's a hobby. It's almost like just hoping mm-hmm. people fall on your head and I want to have a business that I don't want to sell. That's like saying, you know, you have a grocery store, but you don't want to sell. Well, how are you going to sell the groceries if you don't want to sell? So that's just one example. So it's it's the fundamental. Yeah. Yeah, this is a business and I must sell. That's the first one. Hmm. Mm, interesting. So to, I, I just want to add, we'll go back to something you said earlier before Kathleen asked you about that. And I'm going to give you some feedback, if you don't mind, as I think our audience will find it valuable. Of the well over 200 people we've interviewed, we've probably interviewed, Kathleen, 60 to 70 coaches of, of a similar type. I'm just yeah. talking generally to Jean. Jean is, Jean is the only one that has asked us really searching questions and been genuinely interested right up front in the show Right. So so that impressed me. So I'm giving you an endorsement for our audience to pick up and run with that. I was impressed with that. And I really appreciate oh, that. Yeah. So you. there we go. There just, we go. And thinking, the- just thinking about what you just said to Kathleen, though, is that not wanting to sell and not wanting to treat it as a business hang up from the days when when many coaches were seen as an extension of psychoanalysts or psychologists who got their business from referrals from institutions or doctors, for instance, is, is there still a some sort of hang up on this professional thing about selling or not? Uh, honestly, nobody wants to sell. It's not just coaches. Okay. okay. Nobody wants to sell. And it's, it's, I've seen this with all sorts of businesses that nobody really wants to pick a phone up and sell. Who wants to sell, right? You know, the whole thing of the, the people that will do the door-to-door and most people are like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know. So 
it's not, it's just human nature. No, nobody oh. really wakes up in, you know, and, and is born and says, gee, I just want to go sell stuff. Like it's a rare person. That's a natural salesperson. That's not oh. intimidated or shy or who has zero problems with being rejected nonstop. Like that's a rare. And I met a person like that once he was, really? he was a financial, he was one of my clients. They had a financial advisory, financial yeah. product. Yeah. And he said, you know what? I love selling news. I've never had a problem with it. I said, you are a rare person. He goes, yeah, I know it. That's He's for like, sure. I love it. I love it. He goes, yeah. knock on the door. Sure. I'll do it all day long. Rejection. No problem. It's a rare personality that says, yeah. I don't care about being rejected. What human being actually wants to put them in a, self, in a situation where they're rejected over and over and over again? Right. Not many. Not many yeah. people. <laughs> so, so Not that- many. No, 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 no. no you're, you're right there. Um Here's another one for you. You mentioned on your website, you talk about disruptive thinking. Mm-hmm. So tell our audience why this is important. Oh, it's super important. I was just thinking that this morning. If you're not a disruptive, and I actually wrote an article in a magazine, actually, that was published in an actual paper magazine about this. Mm-hmm. If you're not being disruptive, then there's money on the table because you haven't pushed the envelope far enough. So I will regularly test stuff that's off the wall because it might work and I might have mm-hmm. a eureka moment. So it's sort of like an inventor that's not willing to actually do a ton of testing and experiments. So if you're not having some, it, it, it's, you're not being disruptive. You're not going to discover much at all because True. that means you're just doing what everybody else is doing. And that's what works. And I'm too scared. Again, it's fear. I'm too scared just to, to make an experiment and see what happens even if I lose. Now, I'm not scared of that. I will literally do an experiment on a different kind of model or selling, even though maybe if I'd done what I was normally doing, I would have gotten clients. I did that recently. I thought I was going to experiment. Did it work? No. <laughs> but I tried something different because I always want to know how far is the envelope going to be pushed. Because if you don't experiment and also disruptive thinking, it's the people that are the trailblazers that are disruptive thinkers, the lateral thinkers. That's of course. We're never going to get anywhere if we're all so scared and all just doing exactly what we're supposed to do because we just want to like da-da-da. That's that's really also going to develop people to, to experiment mm-hmm. because, as I said, how are we going to get anywhere new, any new frontier if we're all too scared to think disruptively? Absolutely. <laughs> Kathleen, can I jump in with a follow-up question? Before? Mm-hmm. So, Jean, you mentioned you've been through quite a lot of adversity before, and you talked about mm-hmm. trying to um, operate in New York with two young children and, and this mm-hmm. and that. And I've been through a fair bit of adversity myself. And many of the people we interview who are successful have been through fairly serious adversity in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So do those do, do, does going through adversity and surviving it and creative or lateral thinking go together. Does does the one generate more of the other? What's your I'm not opinion? sure about that because I was always a lateral thinker, even in college. Okay. So okay. I'm just lazy, so I want a shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> just wondered if there was a if there yeah, was a correlation. I, I, I think that's more that if you have adversity, you you really got to figure stuff out. So mm-hmm. perhaps yes, in that case, yeah. um, could be. Could yeah. I mean, if your back's against a wall, you're going to figure stuff out because you have to. Right. You have to. So when people go, oh, you know, I have so much going on. Is that I'm like, good. That means that you're going to have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And some 
people are are sort of victimizing themselves because they have stuff going on. I'm like, well, no, that's a good thing because you have to figure this out. You have no way out. Oh, but this, I feel like there's this lack of grit going on. You know, when you mm-hmm. look at cultures and what people go through is like insane compared to what the average American or Canadian goes through. Mm-hmm. Right. So sure. I've been through adversity, but you know, did I have to have six jobs as a single mom with six kids in New York city? No, I had two mm-hmm. kids. So every time I think of that, I'm like, well, it could have been a lot worse. Right. Was it hard? Of course it was. I was working from seven in the morning till seven at night, taking care of my children on my own. And then I put them to bed and work from seven till midnight for two years. Mm-hmm. That was relentless, relentless. There was no rest. Every Sunday I'd take a little rest, but it was one just relentless life, hardly sleeping, taking, you have to do it. I couldn't say, oh no, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to take care of my kids. So, so yes, there is a thing where people that have to go, that go through adversity, we do develop more grit. But I think that other people could develop that if they just stopped whinging so much. Sorry, I have to say it. You know, I think people complain and whinge way too much about how bad things are. So in debt, a lot of people are in debt. I was in debt and I was glad I was in debt. Why? Because I had a credit card that I could invest with. I was glad that I had a credit card to get into debt at all because that's what built my business. So when people go, oh, I'm so much debt. I'm like, hallelujah, you have a credit card. A lot of people don't have one. What would you do with a credit card? (laughs) <laughs> well, then they complain about something else. So, I mean, there's always the other side to the story. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Can you, can you give us tips on how you would go about helping businesses maximize sales while uh, creative, creating massive influence? Sure. It's simple. Okay. And people complicate way too much. So okay. first you said maximizing sales, then you said influence, right? Yeah. You do it at the same time. You don't, and, and this is kind of the, dis, the disconnect with a lot of people. There's always the this and the that, and it's never integrated. So I mm-hmm. always coach on integration, I call it. You integrate everything. So you're creating the influence while you're getting clients. And most people say, oh, I've got to go create this influence and then get some clients. I said, do you know what creates influence? Being successful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and being successful means you're getting clients. So there's this thing of when I create all this influence while I'm not a successful person, which is zero influence, because then you're just faking it till you make it, right? So how does that work? I'm going to create influence as an unsuccessful person. And then when I create influence, then I'll get clients and be successful. There's something wrong with nope. that. So to me, you're doing it at the same time. You're out there. You're just cr- creating great content wherever you are just where you are right now. Great content. That's attracting certain people. You're getting some clients. Now, guess what? You have more influence because you influence some people to plonk down money to, to, to coach with you. That is influence to me. The greatest influence is people opening their wallet and taking their credit card and saying, I'm going to work with you. Yep. That's the biggest influence. You've right. influenced that person Absolutely. to part with money. Okay. That's real influence. This false influence of I'm going to go create influence. Who are you? I mean, everybody, I I mean, I also want to get rid of the the imposter syndrome. And I don't mean this. What I mean is you create influence. I love it. But don't you think the greatest influence is somebody that's hugely successful, helping other people to follow in the footsteps? Mm -hmm. That's more influence. And of course, you can create influence even if you're not highly successful yet. I'm not saying you have to wait. That's my point. But it should be neck and neck. Okay. Creating influence, getting a client, creating more influence because I'm more successful. It's this. It's not waiting until, you know, waiting for Godot. Godot never came. 
because mm-hmm. you don't know that, <laughs> you know, from the play waiting for Godot. So yep. I think people have it all wrong where they're just waiting all the time. Don't wait. Life's too short to wait. That's right. <clears throat> Get out and do it. So yeah. that leads us into something that, that I <clears throat> ponder over quite a bit. Um, what advice would you have for coaches and consultants now looking ahead the next three or four years? The whole landscape has been disrupted by lockdown, by virus, by fears of inflation, by the war in Ukraine. And I mean, uh, uh, we have different things going on, but we always have things going on. So I, mm-hmm. I, I look at it as opportunities. I'm not... not mm-hmm. uh, fearful at all about the future but a lot of people are that's the reality so what advice would you have them for them right now the advice would be stop watching so much media all the freaking time because you know in the depression more more millionaires were minted during the depression than any ever before that yep yeah so if you if you focus on something that's what you will see Mm -hmm. it's you know the ras the reticular blah 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 so, you know, I got a Tesla and I started seeing Teslas all over the place all of a sudden. Like all every every car was a Tesla. You noticed them. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? So there's somebody talking about lack. You're going to start seeing all the lack. You won't notice the abundance. So, uh, you know, during COVID, I thrived because I didn't I didn't crumple like most people. I was mm-hmm. like, no, the whole world did not lose their money in a, in a week. A week later in March, they were like, oh, no, you think the whole world, just all the money evaporated? It did not. In COVID, I just kept helping people and helping. And some of my clients had their best month ever in the first month, the month of COVID, mm-hmm, March. Because mm-hmm. it was the mindset. They were crumpling. I said, no, there are people that still need you now more than ever. So, the, the, okay, so the recession, there's always a recession here and there. <laughs> Let's face it. Yeah, of course. A recession. So, you know, it's people thrive when they when they they figure out what other people really need and will pay for no matter what. Now, I'm in a niche. People are always going to need. There's millions of coaches. They need clients. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to get them. They're still going to pay me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get great results, and we have hundreds of client results. Very good. good. So if you ignore listening to the negative stuff and just focus on you, not you. I'm saying um, to the people I would tell them, focus on what you're doing because either – you're going to focus on what you're doing or you're going to give up, but don't do something in between sort of mm-hmm. kind of sort of kind of doing something. Mm-hmm. You either are going to focus on being successful at something or give it up. But this in-between space, what is that? I don't get that space. Right. I'm sort of kind of going to do it while I think I'm negatively not really going to do it. Just go get a job then. Yeah, that's true. You know, right right now in some of the circles we we work in, a couple of communities we're in, people are up or, or agonizing over the effect of uh, artificial intelligence, right, and um, robot-created content, saying, oh, it's going to put us out of job as copywriters and content creators and that. Yeah, it's going to put the bottom end out of business, but it's it's going to create opportunities for the top end of people, I believe. So there's another yeah. one. Yeah. Oh no, chat, like chat, chat GPT. It's, I mean, I use that sometimes as a sort of base. You have to yeah. rewrite that content. Of course. And, and it, the the data is from 2021. I don't know if you know 21. that. Yes, nothing, okay. nothing after that. Yeah. And it looks robotic. So yeah, sure, you'll get some ideas. I love it for ideas and rewriting. Mm-hmm. I rewrite my own content and then re rewrite it. But that's not. If you're going to sit around, we, we we could sit here and talk about all the things to worry about: the recession, of course, you know, COVID that happened. We can talk about you know Ukraine and Russia. We can talk about AI. I mean, give it up then. You know, yeah. we got to live. So I would say people should just be in the moment and stop worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet, right. or 
take advantage of the great opportunity where people find something where people are going to need you no matter what. Like coaches, there's millions of coaches that every day that everybody wants to coach. So, you know, I found something, these people really need my help. And if mm -hmm. they don't, you know, if they aren't going to get my help or another coach's help, then I don't know what to say. You know, they, they don't believe in coaching, I guess, but you can't kind of sort of do something in life. It's you're all in or you're not. That's the way I see it. There's black yeah. and white, it's black and white thinking. I know, but it's true. You, you start a business, you're either in to make that business work or it's not going to work. It's not going to kind of sort of work. Right. That's right. Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. Yeah. Kathleen, back to you. So, Jean, can you walk me through the initial steps you would take with me if I were to contact you as a client? Sure. Um, you would contact me and I'd say, first of all, I would ask a few questions if it was in a messenger or an email. I'd try to get a little bit of insight to see if it's even worth you know, our time because some, I don't want to waste people's time. And then I would say, here's my booking link. Let's get on a call and I'll, I'll figure out exactly what you need to do to get to whatever it is you said you want. And they just book a call and we have a very heart-based sales conversation because that's what I teach. And and you say yes and you pay me money and you're in my program. <laughs> it's that simple. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. That's just pretty straightforward. <laughs> Good, <laughs> concise, exact answer for you, Kathleen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so here's one. And I, I'm really looking forward to your answer on this one. Mm -hmm. This is one we ask all our, our successful uh, guests on the show, and and you're one of those, clearly. And and what I really like, the reason I want to ask you this question is because of your international experience and, and different parts of the States as well. So if I was to say to you, John, in, in all the people you've met and the people you've worked with, is there one characteristic or mindset or, or value or habit that sets the successful people apart from the average? And I don't just mean accumulating wealth. I mean successful mm -hmm. in a broader sense, like having a happy, balanced life, but also obviously being way better off financially than, the, than most. Is there one thing or is it a lot more complicated than that? I'll give you one. Mm -hmm. The one thing is highly successful people don't miss a beat. They don't go, oh, they don't, they don't, they are not like a small boat at the mercy of the raging ocean waves. They have an anchor. So they're not, you know, they have an anchor and they're a small boat, but there's an anchor and they're not just being thrashed around. Yes, it is processing things immediately, like, like processing, uh, uh, you know, this happened, but I'm not going to be a victim. This happened, but I'm not going to do overwhelm. This happened, but I'm going to I'm going to get myself in out of that anxiety. So I would say the one characteristic is they don't go into stuff. They don't go into oh, I'm going to talk myself off a ledge. They don't go into oh that's so depressing. I'm going to be depressed. They don't go into oh I'm so anxious. I'm overwhelmed. I'm burnt out. All that. They just go yep happened. Now what? Process process. And I think really successful people have mechanisms, and I have certain things I do to process all that to stay on track and not get thrown again like a small boat at the mercy of the ocean waves. That's how average people are. They are at the mm -hmm. mercy. Mm -hmm. They have enough personal power. They're the, sure stuff happens. Sure, we're going to be in grief if somebody passes away. Absolutely. However, if something happens. I don't go, oh my gosh, now I'm going to spend three weeks being depressed and anxious and process, you know, the whole processing things people go, I'm just going to process that. Why take so long to process it? Successful people just go, that happened. Okay, now what? That happened. I'm going to do my quick process. Going to get back on track. 
one of my things is I walk in the morning and when something happens, I'm just going to get back on track mm-hmm. before I start my day. Cause pretty, you know, we all have bad stuff happen, like oh, yeah. you know, stuff yeah. happening. So, so it's that ability to not cave in to, you know, to, to remove all fear. I have a note here, remove all fear, doubt, anxiety, resentment, anger, depression, sadness, and guilt. Just remove it all. If you could do that, which I, I work on when something comes up, like, what is this? Pro- okay. Nope. Not doing it. Boom. Get it back on track. That's a successful person because that person has more of a, a hold on their emotions than most people because the mm-hmm. emotions, the emotions is what makes people fail. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm mm-hmm. not saying not to have emotions like a human. I'm saying remove oh. all of that. Even if it's after it's like started, nope, you're going to remove that process it quickly. Nope. Fear, not doing it. Overwhelm, do overwhelm. Anxiety, no more. So that's that's the thing. And I've seen them do it. I've seen people do this. I see them just go, okay, got it. Next. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? It's extraordinary when you, when you see a master at this. Right. Yes. Yeah. So so that I'm going to go right back to what I asked you earlier. The, do you believe that the people who have overcome fairly serious adversity get better once they've overcome that adversity at doing exactly what you've been talking about now than people who've never faced any, any serious adversity. Well, there have been studies on people that have been through the most pain being more, mm-hmm. more successful. However, mm-hmm. I would not say that that is a given because a okay. lot of successful people have not been through more pain than people that are not successful. Sure. I believe it's how you leverage your experience because mm-hmm. a lot of people go through adversity and they become victims. Yep. So the answer is not really. And it depends. Okay. Depends. Fair, co- fair comment. But what fair I just comment. said before is the processing of stuff. It's whether they're going to leverage that or just be victims. Cause a lot of mm-hmm. people, they're just victimized. You know, a lot of people are down and out and they're victimized by what happens to them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, see it. so no, it really depends again on how greedy somebody is and how, how, whether they're able to get out of it and say, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to process all this. And no matter how bad I feel and how much stuff I've been through, I will be successful. And, you know, I had a moment, a defining moment when I was 54 after I, I was separated for a while. And then the divorce happened terrible. And I was in deep debt three and a half years ago, two children. And I had moved to another city where it was really hard to get on offline clients. Cause I, of course I tried and I thought, Oh my gosh, 54 years old and I'm a failure. I, I, I'm not doing well, deep, deep debt. So mm-hmm. many people might not have done what I did. And that was, I got to figure this out now. I just, this, ha- this has to happen. And I plonked down more credit card debt to, to start figuring out this online thing. But apparently somebody was telling me, one of my mentors who's a venture capitalist, he said, because that's like 0.001% of people in the world turn their lives around at 54, because it's so depressing. You know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you don't have a big long runway. He said, it's not everybody that's going to wake up and say, no, I got to change this. So had I not done that, I mean, that was a define. where would I be? Sure. You know? Must must be something magical about 54, because that's when I had to turn my life around when I came to Canada at the same age. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like how much longer, you know, if not now, when? And a big question I ask people to ask themselves is, if not now, when? And when you when, actually yeah. ask yourself that question and wait for the answers, it's 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 sobering. It's like, well, oh, yeah. maybe never. If not now, when? Well, I don't know, in a year? Well, why in a year? If not in a year, when? So 
that's the question I asked myself. I thought, wait, if I'm not now, and I had a big job ahead of me. I knew I had to figure out so much stuff. You know, when you have to figure out a new whole animal, it's it's not easy. But I want people to hear this, that that's life. There's always going to be a whole new animal. And you're, you know, if you're still alive, you're still up to, to tackling that new whole animal. And when you yeah, don't want absolutely. to do that anymore, that's when you're dead, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Jeanne, did you ever ask other people to help you in in terms of coaching and that to help you figure this out or were you just the type of person that was just able to you know something happens and you're just able to just drive through it just just no oh no I've always had coaches because I really strongly believe if you're a coach I mean that means you don't believe in the process it's like saying oh everybody else needs a coach but not me I am I have many coaches I have three coaches at the moment on various things so um, I always have a coach. I have a mindset coach and I had another mindset coach and I have another Instagram coach and I have another two mentors. So, so I think, I feel like if you feel like, you know, all the answers, that's dangerous. Like there's always yeah. something that you don't know. And I always want to know what I don't know. So I was like, okay. And I always get very specific new coaches that, and then I'm going to get another one. So no, when I got online, when I first started my coaching business, I immediately got a business coach immediately. That was over 11 years ago. Because just because I got certified as a life and business coach, I knew that did not mean I knew how to do marketing or get clients. So I plonked down on my credit card. I was in debt. That was the first thing I did. I thought, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to waste time. And what I don't want is to waste a minute of my life. That's the most Mm -hmm. valuable thing to me is time. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I will pay so much money to not waste a minute of my life. And people are like, oh, you could have waited. Yes, but I would have wasted a month or two or three that I might, I will never get those months back. I find that people do not value their lives enough. And I mean, the time in their mm-hmm. lives. Right. Okay, I do. So if it yeah. plunked down 30K for a coach, which I do, and he's going to save me or she is going to save me a few months, that's worth the 30K to me. Other people would have been like, oh, you could have figured that out. Why? I have so much to do already. I don't want to figure stuff out. I just want them to show me. And of course, I still have to figure stuff out myself because a coach, you know, you still have to work. If You always have to mm-hmm. do the work. You have to figure stuff out and customize what a coach is coaching you on. Mm-hmm. But when I first got online, I was in deep debt. I plonked 10K down on three different credit cards and went into more debt because I thought if I don't do this, then I'm wasting more time. I don't know how to get clients online for goodness sakes. Why would I try to figure that out? Why? Why would I want to reinvent the wheel when I can just pay an expert? So I really put my money where my mouth is and practice what I preach. And I think that is so important because when I'm talking to somebody and they are about to pay me money, I know I'm paying money to coaches and there's no fake kind of thing like, oh, well, you know, I'm having them pay me, but I would never pay for a coach. I think that's not that's not powerful. No, not at all. Yeah, we've, Very good. We've, we've talked to other people as well that um, other consultants and coaches that have coaches. And I think that's, I think one of the the things that make people successful is that they do recognize that mm-hmm. you know they're not experts in absolutely everything and that they do need help. It's asking for help, right? Absolutely. And yeah. I am that person. I'll ask three or four people for directions because I don't <laughs> want to waste time. I, I, I will be that. You're asking another person. I'm like, yeah, because we just asked that one person. I don't think this is working. So I'll ask another person and they'll be, tell me something different. I'll like, ah, oh, no, I got two different points. Then I'll ask a third person. I save so much time by asking for help in my life. Right. Because instead you're going around and around because you're too proud to ask for directions. Why not just find the way? The worst thing for me is not knowing where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I, I'm literally so frustrated, even in life, like walking. 
physically, if I don't know where I'm going, I'm like, well, we're maybe going the wrong way. I want to ask somebody. So that I don't like that feeling to me. It's like, no, I just want to know I'm on the right path because mm. I was on the wrong path for so many years of my life. I'm like, oh, just want to make sure even if it's not working right now, even though this is going to take a while, even though, you know, some things that I work with with coaches, it doesn't work right away. You know, I'm like, oh, this is not working, but at least I know I'm the right pathway. Mm-hmm. It's going to work later. So, but that's not just um, like knowing, it's also like mentorship. It's mm-hmm. just somebody else's point of view, even if they're, they're not maybe teaching you a certain strategy. It's just having somebody that has a different point of view, that has a different experience that maybe is further ahead of you. Right. Giving that, you're going to shortcut it, right? Just that valuable feedback. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. I, I feel like if people had that attitude of just, I've always been just a sponge when it comes to learning. Always. I've always learned a lot of things. I paid, I've paid for so many different types of lessons in my life. And I've always had a huge, that's been a lot of my budget in my life, which is paying for tutors and lessons. To me, that was the main thing I should spend money on is to develop myself in art, art way, you know, piano, singing, acting, painting, all sorts of stuff. So it's not just business. So I wasn't going to be different when I became a coach, I was going to keep doing what I always did my whole life. And that is pay people for lessons. Right. Oh my goodness. Well, very good. Then we're going we, to I know we're out of time. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to, three words, if I may. Something you just said there comes up. We asked the question we asked you just now. Many of our guests say constant learning, curiosity, yeah. always learning and always paying to improve, improve one's knowledge. That comes up time and time again. Sorry, Kathleen, I did it again. I went over time. Over to you. Not, a, not at all. But uh, we are getting short on time, Jeanne. But how can people contact you? Well, I'm all over social media and it's my name. Okay. Also, I left, uh, I put it in the chat. There's my website and also there's the, the reviews. So people can actually see hundreds of interviews and client results. It's jeanneamalore.com forward slash reviews forward slash which I put in the chat and of course all over. So, you know, if they're on LinkedIn, they just look up Jean Amelore. If they're on Instagram, Jean Amelore, Facebook, Jean Amelore. It's all the same. Very simple. Okay. Great. We will put that as a subtitle and we'll put it in the description for our audio listeners so they can get hold of you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. And uh, thank you all once again for tuning in. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form. And perhaps you have questions about your business you'd like to have answered. We have access to many wonderful, wonderful experts on this show. So please let us know what topics you'd be interested in hearing. And Peter, you wanted to remind people about our newsletter well we have many more exciting guests like we've had with john today coming up so mm-hmm. if you don't want to miss anyone sign up for our newsletter it's on our website theyackingshow.com and then you'll be in the picture of who's coming on in the next few weeks thank you wonderful thank you again take care until next time bye-bye everyone bye bye